You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. My name is Matt, and this episode is brought to you by Pro Gold, Free Hub Bodies, and Pro Gold again. That was so weak. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be really good, and then I forgot. Oh, I got like, choke. Oh, I was waiting for choke. this really, really witty intro, and you give us Free Hub Bodies? Oh, what was it going to be? <laughs> Matt just choked on that one. That was the sound of Matt choking. <laughs> that's okay if that's the worst you choke all year. Right, I'll bring I'll bring the show to people by having bike parts to play with on the radio show because that's like really important. Right now I'm playing with an Industry Nine spoke. That's cool. I want to play with one. Mm-hmm. I'll play with this other one. I don't know if if this is a standard part that they send to everyone with wheels now or if it's just me since I tend to um, break stuff. I haven't broken a spoke on my Industry Nine. So yet, I don't so think I they used to send them out. Uh, with with the old wheels they did. Well, old. I had asked before if I could get some spokes, and I don't know if maybe Jacob just remembered that uh, I asked um, and just sent it sent these. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah. what? I want to read your list. So it's written in like my code. Right? I can I can read it. Okay. I mean I can read the words that are there. Um, <laughs> so I was wondering if anyone could explain to us the difference between a group ride and a race. Um, <laughs> that wasn't on the list. We just want to start, I want to start there because it, Kenny and I each have a, a, a topic and those topics both include wheels and our experiences with wheels this weekend. Um, we both a little, little bike play. So um, the, uh, yeah, we, we, Played with wheels. Um, that's what it was going to be. It was going to be fucking drink mix scoops. And I fucking choked. It was going to be drink mix scoops. Damn it. Um, Too late. Yeah. So, anyways. That's uh, in the box for stuff to fill in at the last of the hour if we if we don't have enough. All right. Well, let's get going. This weekend, Kenny, Andrea, and myself all did a social ride called the Tough Guy. Um, organized ride. Organized ride about an hour and 25 to 45 minutes south of Memphis, depending on who you're riding with and what time of day you go. Um, and it takes you on an adventure through a not fun part of Memphis, industrial area. Uh, it's actually not that bad. I'm just joking. Anyways, uh, you get down there. You do a really cool ride where you leave the trailhead. You ride the road over to a neighboring green line, which takes you to a trail. The trail takes you on quite the adventure and then you, uh, once you get back to the trailhead, you go back on the road to where you started, and then you ride one of the cooler trails in Mississippi, and um, then you get in your car, well, you eat tacos, and then you go home. So um, Those were good tacos. We had a, a pretty, pretty great weather. Um, it was really nice. I wore shorts and a short sleeve jersey. We got a little sunburned. Yeah, and, yeah. I was really like, I'm trying to be a lot better about that. Mm-hmm. Like, really trying not to get sunburned anymore. And out in the morning, I was like, oh, it's fine. It's a little cooler outside. We have pretty much full cloud cover. And then yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. like, boom, clear Sun. sky, 65 degrees, and on a dead, flat, completely exposed road for like <laughs> an hour. Yeah. So, oops on that. I got a little bit, uh, not too toasted, but I Yeah, got mine little, went away in a, in a day or two. I, I got a little. I used cocoa butter. 
I got do, a little burn. Do you need me to rub cocoa butter on your thighs? Uh, on my balls. <laughs> How did your balls get sunburned? I don't know, but that's why I I'm rubbing. Them, I had them out. <laughs> they were just lying out on the top, dude. That's what Kenny does when he has to ride a fat bike. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I would. That's what I. What I would rather do than ride a fat bike is get my sunburned. balls sunburned. So we can start on something a little more positive, and then we'll let Kenny roll into his. Um, we each did a little something different with wheels this weekend. My boss, uh, he has a pair or three of carbon wheels and I rode a pair of his Roval Carbon 29 wheels from his cyclocross bike on my Hardtail 29er. Um, he's using 29er wheels on his cross bike. It's not like I'm doing anything sketchy there. Um, and I put those on my 29er and took it for a good spin and I really liked them. Uh, the Roval Carbon wheels are a lot different than the Envy's. Um, they're a lot shallower and I think they feel softer. Um, they don't have that same god-awful harshness i mean i'm running big tires i'm running low pressure um and to be very scientific about it i pulled the same tires off of my existing wheels my existing industry nine wheels and i put those on so i'm running tires i'm used to at pressures i'm used to and uh the internal width is about a half a millimeter more than a stands rim which is you know negligible pretty much the same definitely not narrower which is a big plus but it's not like they're really wide um they're pretty shallow. The ERD between the two is very close to one another, so uh, it's about the same depth as a stands rim. Um, and overall, I think they ride really well. They just feel like they track a little straighter. And an easy way to illustrate that without using words like bump, 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 and thump, thump, thump is <laughs> if you're traveling down the trail bump, bump, bump. and the trail is, let's just say, 5 degrees or 10 degrees off of level, and in that trail going diagonal to the trail is a route. I feel that if I stay seated on the hardtail and pedal and just barely lift the front wheel, when the rear wheel hits it, when I come out on the other side, I'm still in about like the middle of the single track where I was when I started. They they track a little bit smoother and straighter and they don't want to wiggle as much. So um, I like them. I don't know if I'll get a pair. Which when you say industry nine wheels, you're riding what I guess you could probably call their former ultralight sort of setup, like a it's, it's a, instead of the Industry 9 Torch Hubs, but it is classic. Yeah, it's the new Torch style. Hubs, 32-hole, traditional J-Band with they're a... They're going to ride just like crest. DTR Crests. Like, if you have some DTR Crests, because they're, they're regular steel spokes. Yes, yes. They're normal wheels built up traditionally, um, and they're, they're really cool, and I like them, and they're really light. Um, they are a little... A little unsettling when I find myself in those situations where I'm, I'm and it's only, sideways. no, it's only when I'm within five or 10% of finding the end of traction of the tire. Um, so, like, I know that I'm getting close to the edge yeah. there when I'm making those things happen. But um, Kenny wrote something a lot different. He, uh, he made a really bold move. He showed up on a Surly Krampus, and it looked like you had done a good bit of work. You'd put a, a little bit different headset in the bike, and you'd run a different fork. You really done some things to make the bike ride more like a cross country bike and really bring it to life. And uh, you showed up to do a very, very uh, not to not to make man greater than woman, but what would be considered a man sized ride on it. I mean, it's called the tough guy. It's not called the uh, the lacy panty ride. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's the tough guy ride. And you you showed up on a single speed that was arguably way the fuck overgeared. Um, and how did that go for you? Yeah. So. I don't know where to start on this. Um, well, yeah, it, it was it was a Krampus steel frame. Uh, it had the it used to have the original 
surly steel fork on it with an external cup lower headset, uh, which is what Surly recommends. And if you buy a complete Surly, that's what it's going to come with. Um, and when I rode the bike, I rode it for a very short period of time on very flat trails. It was like really, really slow in the corners. Well, maybe to back up, when you say regular external headset, like it's a 44 millimeter head tube, and that's what you'll find on like all custom tie bikes and most custom steel stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's what you would expect to see on a custom bike that has a tapered head tube, right? Yeah. So a 44, what's interesting about the Surly is the steel fork that it comes with is just one and an eighth straight, but the head tube is 44 mil. Right. And they have it set up with a reducer race with an external cup uh, headset. So it actually kind of artificially raises the bike up. They know something we don't know. Um, well, I think they're doing it. I mean, the reason they're doing it is anticipation of somebody wanting to run like a carbon fork on the thing that's tapered, any tapered fork, obviously. I know why they did it. With they're the leaving frame. the door open for you to use a tapered fork. Yes. So, I mean, that's totally fine, and that's the deal. But long story short is I didn't like the way the bike handled with the stock steel fork with that headset. It was way too long. Um, maybe if you pointed it downhill, it would be better. But on relatively flat stuff, it just didn't It just didn't want to corner at all. You had to, like, really, really uh, work it into the corner. So, anyway, I got a shorter axle to crown carbon fork. Um, to be more specific, for people out there with Krampuses that are curious, it's the Shimano Pro 29 Carbon Fork. Where did you get that? Uh, it was sitting in the corner in the shop. Okay. So, so that's the same one that's been floating around for, for It's been floating around for a while. I didn't know if you got that from Irving or something. No, no, no. Uh, it's really similar for people curious. It's the exact same, pretty much the same rake and the same axle of crown as the On One Carbon Fork. And it also has clearance for a three-inch nard tire on the full-size rabbit hole rim, so it does work. Uh, unlike the Niner fork, which will only work with a skinnier rim with a 3.0 tire. But anyway, so that was the setup I had. I just I quickened the steering on the Krampus. Other than that, it was a single-speed Krampus. Uh, in particular, I was running a 34.19 Cog. Um, and what else? So yeah, rigid. You know, everything else is pretty nice. It's got Hope Hubs, uh, Hope, brakes. Hope Brakes. And you had done the work. It had a carbon bar on it. You um, set it up, like, just for yourself. I set it up for myself, so it was actually properly sized for me. I put It was a large frame. I need to be riding a medium, but I put a 60 mil stem on it. It was fine. Like the And you moved your saddle over. Like, you had really done the homework to make this bike something you could yeah, yeah. You could not fixate on one stupid little thing. And no, say, I, was I, very, I was very comfortable on the bike. Like, rolling around the parking lot the pedal geometry of the thing i could lift the front wheel up over stuff and i, I watched kenny ride it and he did look very comfortable on it like he looked like kenny riding a bike and i yeah. didn't really get to watch kenny ride on it because he fucking gone oh i've used up all my f <laughs> the uh and you know like the brakes were good and all that stuff but unfortunately how heavy wasn't it for a Krampus, but was it for a bike? It's light for a Krampus. It's not light for a single-speed mountain bike. That's like saying you're light for a girl in size 18 jeans. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly what it's saying. That's exactly what it's saying. <laughs> and what was that number? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I guess the, 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 the riding the Krampus is like, just, just dating a girl, no, 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 like dating no, no, no. a Kenny, size Kenny, just two shut, girl just shut with, up and... 
big enough muffin top to weigh like 180 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> like everything about it is great except for that one thing. Yeah. Anyways, let's keep rolling. So how much did it weigh, 26? Uh, it weighed 25, 26, somewhere in that ballpark. For a 3,000-ish dollar bike, right? Yeah, so it's about $3,000. Yeah, maybe even a hair more. <laughs> somewhere around... Coding? Somewhere, yeah, somewhere around three thousand dollars into this bike. So, uh, and my friend was gracious enough to let me borrow it. So I definitely appreciated that. But uh, so the deal was, I got this Krampus single speed, rigid, relatively flat course with a lot of road. So really, it's a really stupid course to ride a single speed on in general. But I did it anyway, so that's my fault. But um, it's definitely doable. So the guy who went, another guy who went very very fast on this group ride was also on a single speed, but it was like a proper regular 29 or single speed. Uh, so anyway, long ride, a lot of flat, but then none of the climbs are long or sustained, but they're short and punchy. Right. And what I found is I really, 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 really dislike the Krampus is the short of it. So I know some people it's okay. are going to If you want to see what Kenny really thought about the Krampus, you can look at uh, his Twitter. It's at no full face Kenny. Um, <laughs> that is not full face Kenny. But yeah. you can look at that Twitter and read what he said following the ride that was put on Twitter because it made everyone lol <laughs> so hard. So, yeah, there's just – there's nothing – Everybody says the Krampus gets really, really good traction, and I suppose that it does. If you have a perfectly groomed course and it's canted slightly downhill and you're going really, really fast somehow on the Krampus, which is really hard to do, then you get a lot of traction in like that one corner. But the problem is there are bumps and stuff out there, <laughs> it turns out. And, you know, I just... You know, I'm going to be a little biased because I really, really dislike rigid bikes. I, I tr I've tried a bunch of them. I just, I don't like them. Um, so for me, the Krampus the way it is today, with not really having a proper suspension fork available for it, I don't like it. Um, I'm, I'm willing to try the Krampus again on gears with a suspension fork. But as it sits right now, I had a really... Like, I tried to smile that day. Like, I, I mean, I had fun, and, you know, I, I pushed as hard as I could. Um, but, man, I was just, I was so beat up by the end of the day. You know, all this, people think, like, oh, wow, there's so much more air volume in this Krampus. Like, it's going to be great. I'll be able to ride this thing rigid. It's going to, like, fly over everything, and it's going to be fine. Like, those really, 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 really tiny stutter bumps are better. I'll, I'll give you that. The, the larger air volume and the bigger rolling diameter, like, yes that does make a tiny, 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 tiny difference. But when you hit a big ass bump or you're going downhill and you're hitting, you know, braking bumps that have been gouged into the course or whatever, you're still getting bucked around just as bad as any other rigid bike. I mean, that thing in my mind, it might as well have been a 26 er full rigid with like 1.8 tires on it. It was just awful. Do you think part of that extra volume becomes an undampened, Suspension? It might. might. I mean, it's so weird because, you know, you can lower the pressure to make it more comfortable, but then when you lower it, it, like, becomes a bigger spring at that point. Right. And you can, like, it'll, if it starts oscillating, I think it can even exaggerate it. I don't know. Um, 
it, it solidifies the fact that I know I really, really don't like rigid bikes. Um, so, but yeah, I gave it an honest effort and I did not like that thing. I was just, I was so, you know, I, I come from, you need to understand, I come from a 29er full suspension, hundred mil travel bike. Uh, that's just dialed. hundred in the front, 80 in the back. Yeah. Actually. So it doesn't even have that much in the back really. So that's I, what Kenny said. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I'm very comfortable on the bike and it's got a one by 10 drivetrain, and that's what I always ride. And I get on this this damn Krampus, and which just, for the record is heavier than your full suspension one by ten. It weighs oh, about it weighs about the same. My bike weighs twenty five flat with pedals, and the Krampus is like twenty five or twenty six with pedals. So I mean it's pretty close. Right. I mean, but what I was going to say is you have a bike that is equal, if not heavier. Yeah. With less functionality, and I just don't I don't see. I bet hard pressed. The Krampus is a novelty. It's really interesting to look at, and I'm going to put it out there. It's a novelty. I don't see. I don't see any. You know, the way I look at things is what can make me go faster, ride harder, or ride longer, or be more confident. Like any of those things. That's what I'm looking for when I buy a component, or I'm looking for a bike, or you know, whatever. I'm looking for a set of brakes. I'm looking for a new tire. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone in the parking lot to go, oh, wow, that looks really cool. I don't give a shit. Like, that doesn't matter to me. And um, maybe, I mean, it would probably, and this sounds really silly, it would make an awesome bar bike, wouldn't it? I think it would be an interesting bar bike, yeah, because it, you know, it strikes up conversation and it's different. And when you're drunk, you could just slam into anything on it and it wouldn't matter. I, I guess so, yeah. But I just don't see, again, when I look, the way my brain works with bike parts is what is my benefit for that part? Like, is it going to make me go faster? Is it going to make me more comfortable? Is it going to make me ride longer, harder? And the Krampus filled out none of those fields for me. Like, none of them. Not a single one. So I just don't, I don't really understand it. I, I mean, I hate for this thing to turn into, like, the, the huge bash show. Well, no, but I mean, we can we could wrap up the, 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 camp, the Krampus bashing. But I think there's a couple things about it that, just by the numbers, I don't think that you would like for a couple of reasons. And I, I think we share the... We do have very similar riding styles, so I think I can chime in. I've ridden the bike very, I guess you could say, uh, you know, a, 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 vault, a very finite amount. Like, I've, I've spent a tiny bit of time on a Krampus. And uh, for a rigid bike, I think the rear end is too long. Um, because you have a bigger tire, you just have to have more chainstay length. Oh, absolutely. So you, you, get, can't, you can't steer it like... You can't do the, the one-eighth to one-quarter pedal pull up on the inside of the bar, nope. lift steer. Nope. It's too heavy and too long to do that. You can't do it. And it's too big for someone. Not only do we ride very similarly in the way that we approach a trail and kind of take care of knocking out technical features, uh, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that we're both about 140-ish pounds. I mean, 140 to 150, fully kitted up. We're probably within three pounds of one another. Um, Kenny's, Kenny's more helmet than you. Well, yeah, I mean, but... By the way, I just wanted to hold on. But Kenny's yeah, a little bit Kenny's a little meatier than I am. But I mean, but just <laughs> barely. Like Kenny has a tiny bit more just body mass than me. But I'm a little Call, bit calling me meaty is a stretch. No, but, but I mean, this is Matt calling you meaty. The other true. thing is, is, like I'm a little taller than Kenny and painfully scrawny, and Kenny's like normal height and skinny. Kenny's like normal dude size. Yeah, like skinny dude size, and I'm like, oh my god, eat a biscuit size. Yeah, no, I'm just like I'm like average dude height. 
He was like kind of skinny. And I'm like kind of <laughs> tall and like scrawny. So, um, but I think we both And dislike, I weigh the same as both of them. I think we both <laughs> dislike the Krampus for the same reasons. One, we don't have the like when you look at absolute power, those really big dudes have to be able to make just an absolute shit ton, like wattage cottage amount of power because they're huge and in order to just move down the road they have to make a bunch of power. So when you look at that, someone that normally owns that bike, like Brett or you know, even some of our coworkers that have ridden it that are a little bit bigger, they don't necessarily have the same complaints because they're a little bit bigger than we are. Yeah. And we don't have that absolute power to like punch it over the climbs and up those little little short jumps that, that we encounter. You know, those little twenty five to thirty five foot rollers that are steep and bastards. Um and the other thing is the bike isn't flickable. I mean I, I know I ride a twenty nine or you do too, and a lot of people say that twenty six is where it's at. Maybe six fifty B is like the holy grail like magical crack pipe of awesome short but clickable but rideable but big enough wheel whatever but the 29er is a lot 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 that's like three lots more flickable maneuverable pre-pull manual jump pump than the krampus is mm -hmm. and i know there's people out there that'll disagree but here's the thing you're not 145 pounds and if you are and you don't have your own radio show. Yeah, you don't. Well, no, if you are, you just don't have that. Maybe you ride differently than we do. But the thing is, is on the type of trails, on the type of terrain, with the type of riding that Kenny and I happen to do, the bike kind of sucks for us. And there's, and, and I'm not saying the bike sucks. And I don't think Kenny's really saying the bike sucks. But Kenny's saying the bike isn't the bike for him. Yeah, in, the, in that configuration, in that iteration, whatever you want to call it, I didn't really, I didn't dig it. I wanted to give it another shot with, um, well, if I could build the bike, if it could be 22 to 20, well, let's say 23 pounds with a one by 10 or similar drivetrain and a suspension fork, then I think it's viable. What if you had to, but that's going to be hard to do. So you could use those derby, somebody's building carbon rims that work for that. Yeah. And you'd have to run a lefty fork and a, so a two pound lighter frame. So you'd run the so the the Narvister frame, the what is that? Who makes it? Carver frame mm -hmm. with a lefty one by or lefty for all conversion yep. lefty fork, uh -huh. and a carbon wheel set with yep. probably i nine or who would make a really light hub for the back? Tune. No, <laughs> probably like an i nine rear lefty front, right? Yeah, with XX one. And then if you want to get really tricky, you can run like a Cannondale hologram crank. I saw that on a Narvester at Iron Mountain. So you can run a hologram crank with XX1 chainring and probably like either XTR brakes or formula brakes or something. Yeah. And then you'd probably add in like a tie seat post, a carbon railed saddle, a carbon bar, carbon or a really light aluminum stem. I mean, that would be I what think it would be cool. take, so that, right? I, Long story short is I'd like to try... A 23, 24-pound, front-suspended, 1x10 Narvester. And then it's a $6,000 bike. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's, that's the tough part to swallow about that is, holy crap. I mean, that's like, all right. that's a lot of cash. So anyway, that's enough. We, uh, yeah, we got we to gotta move on. That's, I mean, enough, we've uh, that's enough 25 talking. minutes talking about. But that's a very. But I've ridden, I can say, I've ridden. You have ridden the hell I've out ridden of one of those Krampus. things hard for 60 miles, and it sucked. Yep. <laughs> so, 
Moving on, we can blaze through some of these other questions. Yeah, we've got um, Dan Ackerman sent me a message through Brickhouse Racing Facebook. He says, hey, JRA gang, I've got two not-so-quick questions for you. Hey. That wasn't the kind of hey, was it? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, okay. He's got a beard. I don't think he says hey like that. Or maybe he is a beard. <sighs> anyway, what? number one is Andrea, as you know. So this is a question for me. You guys can't talk. Uh, <laughs> As you know, endless kick-ass cogs are, well, tight, to say the least. In some cases, the need to be modified to fit on free on Freehub. I was able to get my first two to fit with a lot of trial and error, or in my case, file, try, file, repeat. As wrenches, past and present, do you have any better way of doing this? All I could think, of, think to do was to mark the cog in Freehub so I knew I was putting it on the same place each time and just have at it. Um, yeah, I have noticed those are a very tight fit on a uh, free hub body, but I've never had to extensively file one. Um, Does he say what kind of hub he's using? No, he doesn't. I would just be curious is all. Um, it's, it's probably more damage, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, so like if you take a new Freeho body, you can probably just slide one right on. Yeah. But if you have a damaged Freeho body from like a Shimano cassette, you're probably kind of screwed. I'm talking really quietly because you told me not to talk. No, I'm just kidding. I, I was just kidding. I, I, you can guys yeah, can talk. But then, it sounds like maybe first step, you might want to file your Freeho body and not your cog and make sure that you get all those little burrs from yeah. your teeth grinding into your free hub body, get all those off. And then the next thing I would do, you said you wanted to mark it in some way. Well, all Shimano 910 or, you know, all normal free hub bodies, uh, XX1 excluded because it doesn't work with your endless cog. Um, all those have that one spline, which is slightly larger, that is paired with that one ridge, which is slightly skinnier. So you can do the proper orientation of each cog so it has the proper um, clocking for the best shifting. Um, and if I'm, we don't have time to back up and cover that. There is a special spline location on your free hub. And if I were you, I would figure out where my endless cog worked and then I would pull it off. I would, I would make a little Sharpie mark on that one that goes in the really fat space. And then I would follow a little groove in the bottom of that, not in the leading edge or the trailing edge, so it would alter how it fit into that space, but the like the edge that touches the bottom, the circular part of it, I would follow a little notch there or maybe make a little scratch on the outside with a razor blade or, uh, again, just one little quick move of a file. And you'll, it'll be good. Yeah, like my, the advice I was going to give is, you know, do like Matt said, if you find an orientation of the cog that works best on the free hub, um, you know, definitely mark the cog somehow so that you know how to put it back on. Um, what I was going to say is just my, and I've had to file lots of free hubs because aluminum free hubs, let's face it, they're, um, they're light and, you know, they help save a, a good deal of rotating weight on the, on the wheel. But yeah, they, they do get chewed up, especially if you've used like a less than awesome, cog on it or a Shimano cassette or something like that. Um, or you have a customer that uses the demo wheels and they don't have a chain whip, so they install the cassette hand tight and then bring you back race wheels that are nearly destroyed because they just put out 400 watts at any given time for a long period of time on a set of zips. Man, who did that? <laughs> you got to tell us later. Okay. Uh, so something else you could do, and I'm like, I'm being dead serious here. 
is if it's kind of cold out, which it probably is right now, is put your wheel outside for a couple hours and then take the cog and put it in the toaster oven. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. No, so wheel outside. So let's get it to... That's going to be the inner part. You're going to get it cold. To zero degrees. Let's just say zero degrees. Or you put it in the walk-in freezer at work. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, Because everybody has a walk-in freezer at work. Uh, Mm -hmm. I assume that everybody works in a restaurant, apparently. Where you have the dead Or everybody works uh, at a a cadaver lab or at a morgue. Or a slaughterhouse. Or a slaughterhouse. Or a research lab where you have a negative 80 freezer. Yeah. That'd be cool. So anyway, and then you're going to take your cog and you're going to put it in your toaster oven. 150, 200 degrees. Or your microwave oven. You probably, that will not work. Send us a video. If you put a cog in your microwave oven, please send us a video of that. Yeah, so that that won't won't work. Don't do that. Yeah, Uh, do that. (laughs) We don't have lawyers here. So, (laughs) um, I have an interesting microwave fact after this, if you guys are are interested. I'm going to give my filing advice after Kenny's. Okay, so you're going to put it in toaster oven. You could probably crank it pretty high. Well, I was thinking thinking so you can still handle it. Like, yeah. But use a mitt, oven mitt. Maybe you try try it at two hundred. And if it doesn't work, then put some gloves on and try it at four hundred. You know, you're not gonna melt it. I mean aluminum melts at like a thousand plus degrees, so you're gonna be fine. Have yeah, you seen my toaster oven? <laughs> uh and if you don't have a toaster oven I have and, a and you just have a, toaster, a toaster, then you can put your cog <laughs> in between two pieces of bread. <laughs> and you can uh another you can thing that. you could do is and then it's could... very good to handle. You can take your cog out on a piece of bread <laughs> and then put it on. Or you could drop it in boiling water yeah. that's 212 and degrees. Another thing if you you know you want to do it all in one step is if you put a whole bunch of butter on your toast <laughs> while you put your cog in the middle, that butter will help lubricate. The, uh, so you'll help um, the cog slide right so on. So no joke, really fun fact. Um Shram Red Shifter uses a plastic carrier to hold the derailleur cable into the indexing wheel, right? Okay. Yep. And I have a customer or I don't have a shop anymore or create a shop anymore. I don't have customers anymore. I knew a guy that was a uh, self-proclaimed heavy sweater. Um, he had to cut a seat post out of an aluminum cervello because he sweated that bad. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know the guy. Um, he His sweat is awful, um, corrosive. He will sweat tie bolts into, like just nasty, right? Well, his shifter, he his derailleur cable froze into his shifting wheel. And the guy at SRAM was the most helpful. And he was like, look, he started off by saying this. This sounds crazy, but, and I was, and that immediately made me listen. Because if he just told me to do that, I would have hung up on him. But he said, what you need to do is take that shifter off the bike and put it in the freezer. And you need to leave it in the freezer for as long as you can. You know, leave it in there overnight, whatever. And then pull it out and hit it with a hairdryer or a heat gun. And the the uh, wheel, that plastic wheel, will expand faster than the uh, like that that end cap on the derailleur cable. And I swear to God, that thing popped right out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious. It's amazing. We've had to do it a lot on like motorcycles, like putting in bearings and all kinds of weirdo stuff. Um, so you put the hot. you put the bearing yeah, bearing in the freezer. Yeah. So the part that you want to be smaller, you put it in the cold. The part you want to be bigger, you make it hot, and then boom. You're done. So, and it makes a huge difference. I mean, you'll have stuff that you can hammer on all day and nothing happens. And then you put, you know, one part freezer, one part. So you're saying if you put like a headset in the freezer, it would press in like with one finger? 
You could try it. I've never actually tried it. I suppose you probably could. Try it. Put your frame it. in the microwave. Put your frame in the toaster oven. Yeah. So if you put yeah, you put your frame uh, in some super industrial sized microwave that can fit a bike frame. Yep. Which, Please right. send this video of that. Which too. I don't think. So what were you gonna say about filing so, call? Oh, I've got I've got a cool microwave fact. So if you guys are curious, you can really freak people out. Cause people get really weird about microwaves. I've noticed. People get like. People fly, like I do all my cooking in microwaves, like turkey. Oh, like hey, we've whatever. got a caller that's been on hold for like four minutes. Oh, uh, okay. We should probably get that. Hey, caller, what you wearing? Okay, one, it's a Stan's Hub, and it's brand new. Uh, two, uh, I know about the indexing flight. It's the real issue is that even on the website, Endless mentions that you might have to file down or adjust the cog, and they recommend it. Adjusting the cog and not the free hub body. Um, I've had a couple of endless cogs before, and when it was either the black or, or the regular, the raw, it was never an issue at all. But when I got the annotation process on it, then it apparently it adds, it adds a little bit of bulk to it, and you do have to file it down. I was just hoping you had an easy way to do it. Yeah. Well, black is anodized also. Black isn't raw. So that has anode on it, doesn't and it? More than likely, the silver is probably clear anodized. Just to prevent oxidization on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in all in all, they were all snug, but the, the highly colored ones, like the orange one was actually one on pretty easy, but the green, really, is really a tight fit, like to the point of being ridiculous. So all I kinda on had, the same uh, wheel? On the same wheel, brand new. You know, again, it, it's not like you're taking like a Surly with just slides on, you know, like nothing. It's a brand new free hub body that doesn't have any sort of wear or anything to it. Yeah, I've never read it with a, with a cassette. It was just literally the first thing I ever did to it was throw the uh, endless cog on it. Okay, cool. That's what we were saying when talking about finding the cog or the, the free hub was like if you have a, you know, like for me, I only have one wheel and that goes between, it does double duty on both bikes. Well, now I have two wheel sets, but at one point I had one wheel that was sometimes geared, sometimes single speed. And taking the Shimano 10-speed cassette off of that aluminum Hope Freehub body and then putting that single-speed cog on, I would have those, like, nipples or, or like, burrs that would form from the cogs digging in. So, I, really, that's what we were talking about is trying to get that those, like, I guess you'd call it, like, the top of the splines back down to factory. That's the filing we were talking about, not right. filing, like, extra material off. Um, something you could consider doing would be taking um, – sandpaper and wrapping around your finger and then you know working that inside of the cog around and around and around i know that sounds kind of boring but it's a lot it's probably more precise than like firing up the dremel um and it's not quite as tedious as drilling because you can kind of check out and like for me if i were doing that i'd probably like turn on pandora and listen to an entire song and do that for one song and then see how it did i know that sounds crazy but I, I mean, think also the in your situation where you're <laughs> dealing with that cog the lap dance treatment. Yeah, you get one song <laughs> lap cog. Let's see how you do. You need another song. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think in that situation the uh, the cold you know put your put your well, wheel outside. You won't be able to get it off. That's kind of a bad <laughs> idea. Well, that's cool. I mean, because you never need to change your cog or anything. Well, no. I mean, when you do, you just blow torch the cog. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually had to do that before. Yeah, well, that's that's true cool. story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Matt, that's that's a good. The sandpaper trick would be good. 
Um, but that's really only going to solve the the tops issue. It's not going to solve inside of each spline. And I don't know if you can really get in there and file on. Yeah. What I did was I, I got a I got a series of, of small files, you know, from Home Depot, various profiles, and it's small enough to actually to fit inside there. One of them was uh, almost triangular shapes. You kind of get the bottom and a little bit of side at the same time. The one had sort of like a like a reverse crescent profile. I don't know what you call that, convex or something. And uh-huh. uh, so you can actually yeah. follow along because it's not really a flat surface. It's kind of a rounded surface. And I just I just had to go at it slowly. I was just hoping there was an easier way to do this because I, I don't want to do this again. Well, you know, if all else fails, if it's just way too much, if you feel like it's just way too far off, like, you know, the, the two surfaces are just too far from each other to where you're going to have to really work on them and it's going to get stuck and everything, um, you know, call up Endless and talk to them. I mean, Ooh. Shana's real nice and she'll, I'm sure she'd... Oh, I got a really good one. Though. She might just say like, yeah, just send it back and we'll swap it out for a different one and see if this one works better for you. So let's think about this. You're you're having troubles fitting your endless cog to your nearly or let's just call it new stands ZGR free hub, right? Right. So imagine this, a free hub is roughly two inches wide. Would you agree? About, I guess so. Well, yeah, a little less. Why don't why don't you just cut a two inch strip of sandpaper off and then I, I don't know really know how to describe this without just doing it, which obviously on the radio you, you can't see what I'm doing, but you could kind of imagine if you pull your like shoe shining. Yeah, kind of like a shoe shine on your free hub with that two inch strip of sandpaper. So what you can do is sort of work the entire free hub. You know, on one side when you pull with like let's just say your left hand, the free hub is going to ratchet, and then when you pull with your right hand, it's going to sand a little bit. And you could do that for maybe, let's just say, 20 or 30 strokes and get, you know, that's going to very evenly pull a little bit off and let's use some like 80 or 100 grit sandpaper or something that's not very abrasive, you know, for what we're doing and see if maybe when that free hub stops being, is it red? Yeah, it's red. When it starts, yeah. when it starts being kind of silverish, maybe check it then or let's just say pink. Like, does that sound like a good answer, maybe? I mean, Well, the problem is then you're modifying your free hub body, and if you want to run, like, regular gears again, they're going to fit on just, like, a little bit looser. But we're talking about the anodization. We're only trying to pull a, a, a half of the anodization off. We're not trying to pull... I mean, you could. I think you'd be safer to just keep standing and working well, on the cog. But I'm talking about... Maybe you also like, just, like, file off, like, all the nubs on the cog. <laughs> And all the nubs in your free body, and then just like get the new weld aluminum and just like weld the damn cog on there if you wanted that's, to. I think that's quite the opposite of what we're trying to do here. But I don't know. I was just trying to think of like, because I think that would be like a. I know you're not necessarily saying you want to like take the easy way out, but you're wanting maybe a little bit faster oh. way to do it. And I think when Endless does a great job of making very precise fitting products, I'm not saying they're more precise than Stan's, a huge company. But maybe Stan's anodization got a little heavy on your batch of free hubs, and maybe your free hub is just extra tight. I mean, or maybe their cogs are just over anodized on the green ones. I mean, I don't know, but I'm just trying to find a solution that's maybe a little bit quicker and a little bit less time inclusive for you. Something that's a little bit, again, just quicker. So, but don't go to town and like put your free hub on like a grinding wheel or anything crazy. Don't do that. That's a that's a bad <laughs> idea. Sparks fly. 
<laughs> yeah, don't make sparks. If you make sparks on aluminum, you're going to have a bad day. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be that would be my recommendation. But do you want to tell him what you meant when you tweeted that you were a bad boy? Oh, um, I I rode carbon wheels again. Um, yeah. I'd kind of written them off. I had said they were awful, and then I didn't buy them. I borrowed them from my boss, and uh, turns out the Roval wheels um, more cozy than the Envy. More cozy than the Envy all mountain wheels. And it makes sure. me really, really, really want to ride the Stan's wheels when they come out. Yeah. Because I bet you they're gonna be nice and squishy. <laughs> and yeah, that's cool. Cool. Make you. And we can go ahead and answer your other question. Um, I mean, you can stay online if you want to, or or we. Can you might have another on. question about the question or clarification on the question, so please do stay on the line. Um, I, yeah, I, I definitely will. Yeah, he says uh, it's been the winter from hell. I definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> uh, can't ride my local trails, and I hate riding my mountain bikes. Yes, bikes on the road. Normally in the winter, when the trails are slop, I would ride my road bike. But with this ice and crap all over the road, I'll be damned if I'm going to wreck my Evo. Uh, so I picked up an old 2012 floor model Salsa Chili Con Crosso at my LDS. Thank you for shopping local. <laughs> yes, it's a POS, but at least I'm able to stay upright, more or less. Like Matt, I suffer from buy, tweak, then tweak some more before I buy something else syndrome. This thing has a press fit 30 bottom bracket. Have you had any luck with any of the press fit 30 to GPX adapters? I have an GXP. Exo- oh, yeah, GXP. I have an XO crank that would not mind uh, putting back into service. Yeah. So two problems there. Um, one, uh, press fit 30 is the most awful thing that was ever created unless you're going to use the a problem solvers or something like that eccentric bottom bracket, which is always an option. If you want to use a GXP crank on that bike, that's what I would do. I would put the problem solvers in there so you can use enduro bearings. And then if you get bored and you want to race at single speed, you can. Um, so that would be yeah. my, my recommendation, which is a very expensive recommendation. But I think I'm as long assuming... as you use any, I think as long as you use any quality adapter, um, you're going to be good. Like I think, Problem solvers and wheels manufacturing both make uh, press fit 30 to GXP adapters. So I'm assuming that this crank is an XO regular crank, like a GXP XO crank. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm gonna mirror what just got said. Press fit 30, like as press fit 30 was intended, is the stupidest thing. I've ever seen. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Like, let's use press-in plastic cups to hold metal. And and then the actual, the way the bearings work, it's metal on metal. So it's like, here's an aluminum spindle, and let's put steel bearings directly on that. And that's going to be like a great idea. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, if if you're going to use that as a straight, well, whatever you do, don't use the plastic cheap stuff. Yeah, if you so the number one thing to do is you no longer want those press fit 30 cups in your frame. So don't get press fit. Wheels Manufacturing makes a product that makes press fit 30 into GXP. That is a bad right. move. Do it. Okay. Because that press fit 30 cup is always going to want to walk in and out of the frame and get crooked. And when it gets crooked, it binds the bearing. 
And that's the issues I was having on my salsa. Um, if it were BB30, I would say run those plastic snap-in Delrin adapters, but it's not. I ran those on a Cannondale CAD 10 um, for over a year and a half and had no issues with them whatsoever. Yeah, they but, should have stopped at BB30. But what you can do is Enduro, um, for PressFit 30, their answer is kind of crap. You have to use a PressFit 30, I'm sorry, you use BB30, which is a 42-millimeter bottom bracket shell, and then you use a 4-millimeter shim, which is 2 millimeters on each side, Delrin piece that goes inside of there to expand that to 46 millimeters, which is press fit 30, in order to get it to tighten up when you tighten the two, you know, the left or non-drive side and drive side together in the frame. You don't want to do that. Uh, then you're that using an adapter that uses more plastic and, like, shit, we're trying to move away from plastic. So, um Problem Solvers is now making a thread together solution that is press fit 30 only, correct? Uh, someone, there are a couple people, and I always get them mixed up, whether it's I think Problem Solvers or Wheels Manufacturing or both. It's hard to keep those two separate because they both make some pretty cool parts. Yeah, they make they like stuff that's stuff. so similar. And uh, anyway, there there are one or two bottom brackets like on the market right now that are press fit 30 to 24 mil spindle adapters. Now, I don't know if they work with GXP, though, because GXP works in a very different way. GXP is designed to uh, cinch down on your non-drive side bearing. And Shimano has even tension throughout the whole thing. So I don't know. I have to do my research. Uh, I don't know if there's a GXP version of that uh, so, uh, Praxis makes one. That's right. No, I no, you don't want the Praxis one. I'm sorry. The Praxis okay. one is what I looked at on the for the salsa, and it's a piece of crap. That's the one that has the shim in it. Okay. Um, so, a question I have for you is, why did you buy a Chili Con Crosso rather than just riding your mountain bike on the road? I can't stand doing it. I just can't. The wheels are too wide. I don't want to change the wheels out. I don't want the suspension. Um, I don't want okay, to Okay, so let me back up and ask you, what are your two mountain bikes? Or you said bikes. Two? I'm assuming you have Two? two mountain bikes. Uh, more than two. Okay. okay. What are they? Okay. My favorite bike is an Air 9 Carbon, the original. Um, yeah. That's a good bike. Yeah, I love that bike. That was originally single speed that I geared up when I made the mistake of trying to race. <laughs> um, I replaced that with a Sur 9 that I made single speed. I also have a Trigger 1. And then I have my... Evo road bike, and then this piece of crap. So I know this isn't a good answer, but this is, and this is just this what is, this is Matt's practical answer. This is my very practical answer. Um, and it sounds like you, you have a go-to bike. It sounds like the Air Nine Carbon for you is like my my specialized car like there's something about that bike it's very near and dear to me like when i sit on it i feel like it's my jam like i really know that bike and it 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 rides how i want it to ride and you liked it enough that you got another sur 9 so you could have a a you know kind of like the the same but a little bit different version of what you already have um so the sur would probably make a bad bad awful idea of a of a 
road bike or road training bike because it has single speed. But the Air 9 Carbon, what do you have for gears on that bike? Uh, XX1. It's XX1. Okay. Um, so, and I know this sucks, and this isn't here. Um, what would you run on that? Are you, do you have another stand set on that bike? Yeah, it's, uh, well, no, that one is uh, Stan's rims with DT Swiss hubs. Okay, cool. So, very easily, what you could do is you could, uh, let's just say, and, and let's not throw out a number because I don't want your local shop to get in trouble, but uh, you could get a set of ZTR wheels with, uh, I don't know how much you pay for the Chilicon Crossover, and I really don't want to know, but you can get Stan's wheels for 700 bucks with a XX1 free hub, let's say. Uh, that's pretty easy. You could probably find that all day long. You can get another, you can get another XO cassette for what? Four hundred bucks, three hundred fifty. How much is that? Wait, you mean a, oh, an XX one cassette? XO one cassette. Oh, they cost like it's like twenty dollars cheaper or something stupid. So it's, it's four hundred dollars. So for eleven hundred dollars, you could have bought a completely separate wheel set, and then let's just say another twenty five dollars, you could have got a rear fender that that mounts onto the seat post. And this is this is the part that I really want to tell you though. You could then run for the summertime, you would have a backup wheel set. Totally plug and play, nothing to worry about, right? But for the wintertime, the cool thing is you'd be you'd be riding your number one bike that you already love and you know and you're really comfortable on. And again, you love it. But you would be out there putting miles on a bike you're already used to. And I think that's very important. I think that's something that is more beneficial than going out on a ride and always beating yourself up. Because for the for the salsa, you really need to get another saddle. You really need to get another pair of pedals. Maybe you don't like this handlebar because it doesn't feel like your Evo. Maybe you want to get another wheel set because suddenly this Chilicon Crosso is breaking spokes left and right because the wheels on it are cheap. Maybe you want to upgrade the shifting. Before you know it, you've ended up spending like, a gajillion dollars on a salsa that at the end of the day you look at and you're still kind of like you still call it a piece of shit yeah it's still your piece of shit bike so the other flip side is you could do this you could take your chili con crosso you could pick it straight up and drop it on ebay and say f this bike i'm over it and then you could buy something that you know and you you already trust and that's a cad 10 um a cad 10 is the aluminum version of your evo which is going to be a lot more predictable. Um, you can fit up to 28 or 29 millimeter wide tires, according to a pair of calipers, onto a CAD 10. I've done it. Um, a pair of, what is that, Challenge Free Base? They measure out at 29 and a half millimeters, and those fit in there with clearance, no issues. They never rub. Um, and what you could do then is you could run it BB30 with those Delrin adapters, like I already suggested, or they make BB30 two GXP adapters. It's a little sleeve that presses into the bottom bracket, and then you use a normal thread-in GXP bottom bracket. Um, you know, it's a metal sleeve and a metal bottom bracket. Well, it's like more permanent. Yeah, it's a permanent solution. Um, and that's what I'm currently running in my CAD-10, and, and I think that would be a, a much better solution. And the CAD-10 geometry is nearly nuts on with the Evo geometry, so it's going to feel like a bike you already own, which I think is very important. So maybe that's not the answer you wanted to hear, but backing up and looking far down the road, I think that's an answer that you'll like a lot more because a CAD 10, um, I mean, damn, it's an awesome bike. I have one now, and I, I've 
I've test ridden a carbon bike recently and I just can't justify spending that much money to upgrade to something that doesn't feel much better. I don't, I've, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an Evo. I think Evos are sweet. Evos are just out of my price range. So I can't look into something like that, but I think a CAD 10 is going to ride hands down way better than a Concrosso ever will. Now you may say you want to race cross eventually and that that's not a good option, but you know, just, just kind of throwing out my $5 on this cause that was way more than two cents, but you know, <laughs> so lots of options you could do there but each of those include taking a bike you've called a piece of shit selling it because obviously you don't like it and you're never going to like it you could put you could put di2 on it and you'd still think it's a piece of shit that's what it's come down to so you should probably tell that bike to piss off and you should take the money you get from that bike and you don't waste on that bike and put it towards bikes you already love that's what i think I, I have some advice that's even that's different and that he probably won't like, but I, I would give it anyway. Um, you said something about you, you'll be damned if you're going to wreck your Evo. Um, you know, have you ever seen the movie Fight Club where he talks about destroying something beautiful? <laughs> that's, you know, you get, and I, I'll admit, I've been kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a diva with bikes. I like to have really, really nice bikes. But at the same time, I like to, I mean, I'm not going to say I like to beat my bikes up and, like, make them look bad, but I don't, I don't, I don't hold back. Like, you I don't, you don't, just, you don't, like, purposely yeah, I don't, like, scratch take, your bike. Yeah, I didn't, like, take a razor blade to my, to, like, my new custom bike or anything, but, like, my second ride on my new, like, custom awesome tie bike was, like, a ride on gravel and, like, a tiny piece of single track i mean it's just it's a bike i mean it's it's a tool it's strong and it's made to it's made to flog it i mean what i I love to do on this is like really mirroring what you're saying i love buying a really nice really expensive piece of machinery and like using it up yeah use the hell out of that because like you you find the nicer the product you buy the more it can make generally the more abuse it can take like you can really like lean on that nice stuff and and it'll it'll take it. I don't know. I really like that. Like yeah, like beating the crap out of stuff. Like if I like God forbid I'm ever able to buy like a really really like I don't know go buy a you know a Ferrari or something <laughs> like or other a, a Z06 Corvette. Um, what well, you can buy one of those now for like twenty bucks. But anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, you know, I would love nothing more than to get a car that traditionally people see as being pampered and all that and just drive it how it was supposed to, you know, like, you know, I mean, you know that that motor on the Ferrari was put on a dyno test stand and like sat there on the rev limiter for like 48 hours or something insane and like, you know, just buy that nice product and use the crap out of it. You know, anyway, right. so and obviously people are going to differ on No, no, I, I'm, I'm totally in the same boat, though. Like, I got my CAD 10. The first, I guess it was the, I guess it was a 2010 CAD 10. So that was the first iteration of the CAD 10, or the first year that, that 10 was available. Um, And I came from a really crappy cross bike that had, like, didn't really fit well and stuff. And I was finally getting on a nice road bike and it was my first real road bike. And I made a very good point that the first time I took it out and rode it, like really, really rode it. 
I did like a, a what is that? How long is that gravel? Like two miles? Where? A mile? I don't know. The the gravel that you can like the closest gravel to here. In Shelly Farms? No, no, like the real gravel. Anyways, I did like a <laughs> sixty mile ride that had like a mile and a half or two miles or something of gravel in it, and just like knocked a chip or two into it. But I loved it because I'll never forget. You know, if I just did like the 20 mile short loop from the house on that, it wouldn't have been very memorable, but hell, I wasn't in shape for that. I like went out on this ride and I was like on my new bike and I was like hammering up all these hills. Like I was made of EPO. And like, before you know it, I like hit this gravel section and I'm like ripping down the gravel. And then I had to stop at a park and like rest for 10 minutes because I was so cooked, but I'll never forget that ride. And it's like the first ride on a bike that I really, really like. And I think that has something to do with how I like it. Now, when you say wreck your CAD 10, if you mean just like get it dirty and scratched up, like, I mean, you're not worried about doing that to your mountain bikes. It's just another bike. But when you say wreck it, if you have like, you know, campy EPS 11 speed on it and you're worried about wrecking and breaking a shifter, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have EPS 11 speed if you can't afford a second shifter <laughs> if you wreck it. I mean, nah, that's, that's ugly truth. No, nah, you, you misunderstand. Um, I mean, I do not baby anything. I, I descend at 60 miles an hour. I, I, I bunny hop curves to avoid things. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I don't baby the bike. But if I'm going to go out in disgusting slop and something I don't want to do anyway and jam up all my, all my gears with, with, with ice and snow and road debris and twigs and glass, I'd rather not, you know, if I'm out there anyway freezing my ass off, I'd rather not destroy the bike too. You know what I mean? Well, then- like I, I during a day, during the summer, I you know I ride the shit out of it, but you know during the winter, it's nearly not, it's not fun. Well, then I think that kind of going back to what I was saying, you should get like a CAD ten or something that's very similar, you know, another Cannondale that's very similar, but just get like the one hundred five one because then if you if you ride it all winter and you take it to the shop and they say it's totally clapped out, then you're like, okay, well. And they probably have some pull-off 105 laying around the shop they can help you get it going again with. Or they can get you some 105 Ultegra crap and get it going again. I mean, it's a bike that you could totally let go. You know, you're just like, the hell with this. I'm just going to ride it into the ground and spend 800 bucks on it in the spring and, and not feel bad about it because I'll just, like, spruce it up and then I can run and get beer on it during the summer. You know, I think that would be a lot better than, than getting some jalopy salsa that doesn't feel the same doesn't ride the same doesn't steer the same and it's just another bike that doesn't have that same great candale engineering and geometry that you're used to so and and just in case you um you know if you don't want to take any of our advice i did send you a link to that uh, that message that you sent me earlier um there's mm-hmm. makes a Prestfit 30 to gxp adapter um there's also a company on i i saw them on ebay called driveline i think or drive time or drive something um, that makes a very similar looking adapter the point is don't use that cheap plastic um thread your bottom bracket like your gxp bottom bracket into it um adapter from sram because what will happen is it it's fine at first but it walks out um, and you will have to take your crank out, get your headset press, or go to the shop where they have a headset press, and press it back in about once every month or two. Yeah, they don't. They flat out do not work yeah. with SRAM bottom brackets, <laughs> which is really funny because it's a SRAM product. Um, they work really? marginally better with uh, Shimano bottom brackets because they apply constant tension to the whole thing. 
But yeah, avoid that little thing. Yeah, don't use the plastic one. Get find a, a good quality aluminum one. I'm not sure about the quality of the one from eBay, but I know that KCNC makes really good stuff. And this isn't all that expensive. It's fifty five dollars with angular contact steel bearings. I mean that's that's nice. It comes in uh, black, red, or gold. So uh, I sent you the link to where you can buy that, um, or you could shop around and look for it. Plus, it's got enduro bearings, so if they ever screw up, you can always replace them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you. So lots of different advice for you. Cool. Um, thanks, thanks. I'm going to hang up now. Yeah, thanks for calling. All right. We still have, like... 50 million questions. Do you want to keep going or do you want to... Matt's eating pizza. No, I'm not. Matt just got a baggie of pizza out of the refrigerator. You can hear the bag crinkling. Oh, man, he's eating two slices that are upside down like a sandwich. (laughs) Who eats cold pizza? (laughs) This guy. I never understood that. The cold pizza thing, I'm... I'm really weird, Trump, though. Matt has so much shame right now. Don't shame me on the internet. <laughs> Too late. Cold pizza, man. You got a microwave right there. So, a little microwave trick. I think we, we never got to discuss my microwave trick. I'm really sad. Um, so, you can freak people out. People get really, really, like, territorial about their microwave and stuff. Like, because what I like to do is, like, put a whole shitload of time on the microwave. Because, like, I just, like, pay attention. And yeah. people are like, oh, my God. You can't put that in there for 10 minutes. Well, like, that happened like the other week. I'm you like, might, you put two microwave like, dinners not. in there and you put it on for like nine minutes. And I'm like, dude, how no. the fuck do you microwave something for nine minutes? And he's like, no, it's cool. I got it. No one no one uses double digits on a microwave. Or yeah. no one should ever use double digits people, for minutes on a microwave. Yeah, people get so scared about that. So, yeah, people, I love messing with people's microwaves because they really get, people get really freaked out. Uh, so what you can do, is awesome, is you can... Uh, get anything like plastic, like a, like a little upside down piece of Tupperware or something like that. And you can put something full on metal in the microwave as long as it's not touching the bottom of the microwave and it won't, <laughs> and it won't spark. So there you go. Try it. Oh, that's great. Like put, um, put a can of something in there and just, yeah, and put, just put an endless cog in a piece of plastic Tupperware. Yeah. That'll work. Do it. Um, let's see. We had, we had a legitimate question about bikes to take to Silimo. And this could be um, anywhere, really. It doesn't have to be Silimo. Um, so that's why we'll go ahead and answer it, even though it's been an hour and three minutes. Um, Fred McGill says that he's hopefully headed to Silimo in April from Michigan. I'm taking my full suspension bike, as I did the last time I rode there a couple of years ago. Um, after I tacoed a wheel on my last visit, ending my weekend early, I'm considering bringing a backup bike in case something similar happens this time. My backup options are a Crave SL rigid single speed or a Salsa carbon bear grease 2x10. In your opinion, would it be worth loading up one of these as a backup for Silmo? I'll tell you what, the Crave SL single speed with a 3221 rigid was 12th last year at the race. So that's yeah. a great bike there. Yeah. I mean, really, okay, so the way, and I know Kenny isn't going to feel the same way because he likes full suspension and hates rigid bikes. I have ridden there extensively on a rigid single speed. 
Yeah, I'd say, yeah, 3221 if you go with um, with the single speed. And navigating a lot of, like, the rock gardens and the technical sections, it becomes a lot more like the difference between using, like, a butcher's cleaver and a surgeon's scalpel. So Matt got 12th on the crate. Overall. Overall. Like, and if he was on a suspension fork, it would probably be good for, like, ninth. I don't <laughs> Maybe eighth. I really don't think so. I do. Maybe eleventh. It would have go- it would have been good for um, this is this is a fact and you can blanket it on all races ever. Going from rigid to suspension will give you three places. <laughs> so you can use that anywhere and it works all right, the time. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean the rigid single speed is is a good bike there, and you know I can't. I can't really Here's the deal. Tell the you the about downhills it. are so hard, followed by going uphill so hard. Yeah. That you're you're either pedaling until your eyes are gonna pop out or you're going to descend as fast as you will descend. So I don't care if you're riding a rip nine or if you're riding a Well, I don't crave. know. I mean the I think I go a little faster with the suspension fork, but I don't think I don't, it's to the point of where I'm ruining my fun. You know what's really interesting well, about Selimo is well, I think you can well, ride, I think you can ride just about any anything. any damn bike there, which is really interesting. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You can ride a Cray Rigid or you can ride a Rip Nine, and you're still gonna get scared by how little you're braking. Yeah, I see people it's, go fast on everything, everything. there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could put you could take the Selimo's Revenge Race, and you could put the the dude who wins that you could put him on a rigid single speed and he would probably still win that because he um is really freaking strong can ride technical stuff and had really good luck yeah because like the first guy overall let's say is on a full suspension 29 second place guy is gonna be on like a a rigid single he's gonna be on like a hard tail third overall is on a full rigid single speed like yeah, no, third overall. Yeah, no. Well, he's probably riding like last year. It was Craig, and he rode a a blur with a lefty with a magic gear. Yeah, and he got like third overall for single speed. Yeah. That so there you go. Speed. I mean, it's it's really it's really that's an interesting race, and I, I can't. It's very weird. A but. backup bike is a good idea because there is a lot of stuff out there that wants to get in your drivetrain and that wants to, you know, slice your tires in half and talk over your wheels and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, at least... If you have the ability to bring, like, if you're going to drive or something, yeah, yeah, bring it, bring a bike. So, bring whichever one. My advice to you is bring whichever one you are more comfortable on because any bike you bring there is going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. I would actually be a little bit... I kind of wonder how a Bear Grease would do there. Um, it's a lightweight, I don't geared know. Bike, so. The problem is, the more tire you have, the more tire you have to get cut. Yeah. And that's yeah. what really scares me about that, I think that's what's scaring that some people sharp. off from doing that. Because I, I think that Chris Irving, real sharp. Uh, one of our local guys, Chris Irving, is considering riding his uh, his Narvister out there. And he is exonated that idea, I believe, because he doesn't want to slice tires up. So, and that's the problem. That tire is not very nice. And what other t- Oh, there's not another tire. Yeah. <laughs> there's not. And it, it, that thing is paper thin. That Narvester, or sorry, not the Narvester, the Nard. 
You can't run tight. You you can't run thin tires. Either. Nope. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you bring. Keep so your, yeah, run your damn no. racing routes at home. Yeah. And yeah. better run, yet, throw them in the garbage anyway because they're just stupid tires. Yeah. Run. Um. Don't don't skimp on the tires when you go to Stillman. I'm sure you know that from when you went before. But just to reiterate that, um, most places in Arkansas want to shred your tires to bits. It is sharper. You know. Think of any other rocky place you know of, like Pennsylvania. Um, the Transylvania kind of epic, like uh, Wilderness 101, Stupid 50, whatever that stuff. Like, that's real rocky, but it is not as sharp as Arkansas. Um, so, you know, if you've had experience riding other places that are rocky, um, to everyone else out there, those places are not as sharp and mean to your tires as any trail in Arkansas. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably about time to wrap it up there. Yeah, we've still got some questions, but we could always... We can plug the bottle one in really quick at the end. Yeah, um, Scratch Labs recommends one scoop per 16-ounce bottle. So, uh, I kind of got into... I got... There's a... There's a person from... There's a person from Nashville that's now moved to North Carolina, uh, and he coaches the cycling team, um, and he asked Scratch Labs, why do you use like, why is your scoop so small? You're telling me one scoop is for 16 ounces, but Scratch Labs sells a 21-ounce bike bottle. And Scratch Labs historically has followed professional cycling races. Now, they do support other events, but for the most part, they support professional cycling races. And Scratch Labs had a really they had a really bullshit answer. And their answer was... 500-milliliter no. Their answer was, if you go outside of this, most bottles are not going to be 21 ounces, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what, you pretentious piece of shit? <laughs> you want to know what a 500 milliliter bottle is? That's those old bottles that leak a lot that you find in Europe. Specialized makes bottles now. They are the only people that make bottles that don't leak all over you. Everything. So if if we get bottles from a race, and they don't say specialized on the bottom, they go to Goodwill. It's that simple. So why in the world would you, someone who's smart enough to buy your bottles from specialized, use a 16-ounce scoop? Well, their answer was, well, it costs tens of thousands of dollars to tool up and get a scoop. Get a scoop. Look, I've already wasted all my F-bombs, but look, you you son of a bitch. Why not, <laughs> why not tell someone to use a one-third cup measuring scoop twice or something like that? No, you want to be pretentious, and you want to think about people throwing their 500-milliliter Bidens. Ooh, it's a Biden. Biden's not bottles. Fuck all that. <laughs> no, that's stupid. And if you want to read more, sure, I have both of their cookbooks. They have really good recipes. If oh, you, yeah, their recipes are great. But if you want to read more on why maybe someone could have so much emotion over someone who's so pretentious over a bottle, and you want to hear how someone got paid $240,000 a year... To make someone rice cakes, you can hear about Lance and Alan Lim's relation by going to thewired.com and reading Joel Warner's article on how Fuel Guru reboots his quest to kill Gatorade. Um, so, yeah, that was from February 18th of 2014, and that will help you understand how Alan Lim abandoned a clean team to go help Lance Armstrong Money try talks. to come back and money talks. Alan Lim walks. You know, 
Don't be surprised when the when the team that's claiming themselves as being clean doesn't want to hire you after you went and worked for Lance for a year. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm not sorry at all. Your cookbooks are awesome. I think, in general, you're kind of a douchebag, and you're trying to build an enterprise and take over the world, and you have packing parties where you have people come in and volunteer to pack your, your orders for you. Um, you're making money, and they're not. Fuck you. That's my answer. So that was four songs tonight. You need to do a bunch of push-ups. I'll do two. No, you gotta do four push-ups. While he's doing push-ups, we're gonna do industry nine spoke wrapping. So Thanks for listening to another episode of Mountain Bike Radio. Be sure to head over to mountainbikeradio.com to find a full listing of all the shows, recent episodes archives and you can buy some swag t-shirts socks stickers and you can become a member in which you get deals on coaching nutrition products and a whole bunch of other things so be sure to head over to mountainbikeradio.com and you'll find all the info you need thank you